0: Well, it's a great question, but it's a tough one to answer. So if you were asked that question, what is your purpose in life? And probably already kind of thinking through, what is my purpose? Why am I here? Why do I exist? And, and uh, my favorite response in that, uh, that video was, what kind of question is that? You know, or you probably need to be drinking before you be asking that question, right? And I think it's, uh, it's one of those questions that really kind of is at the core of us, We must be here for a reason. Everything that we own probably has some kind of a purpose. We have a car because it has a purpose. We have a house, it serves a purpose. You, as a human being, you serve a purpose. What is your purpose in life? We're going to kind of explore a little bit of that today. Um, First of all, I want to kind of give you a little bit of a report from our 21 day fast, if I can. You know, this fast has been a really unique fast in many, many ways. And all of them take on their own character, their own nature, but I think this one has been such a great fast that I have extended my fast uh, even till today. I've had a couple of days where I broke fast, but so I've been on, I'm like, I don't know, I'm getting close to 40 days here in this thing, and it's getting serious, so if you would pray a little harder, uh, maybe I can get off this fast a little sooner, amen? But uh, here's a couple of things. Uh, one of the things we were praying for were uh, some, to fill some positions we have, and I, I want you to know that... Pastor Stephen is one of the positions we have filled in our worship leader. And then we filled another position that I can't give you the name yet because today he's letting his church know and they're not that far away. So I want to be really cautious of that. But we'll tell you next week. We're excited about those two roles and then we have some others that we're filling as well. And then uh, we've been really praying and kind of waiting for the right kind of a situation to come into our coffee shop. And uh, for probably five months, maybe four months, I was just beating my head against the wall trying to, to find the right kind of a, of a coffee uh, company to come in and really kind of run that coffee shop and really take it to the next level and, and uh, one that would be compatible with who we are and what we do. And I really spent four months, and I just say it was I spent four months because uh, during the fast, literally in 48 hours, God brought the perfect coffee vendor in, and uh, we signed a lease with them, and they're coming in. They're going to, uh, if people in our church need jobs, they're going to hire them. If they want to volunteer, they can volunteer, and it is really, really great. It's, uh, it's a coffee, actually started as a coffee export import company called Bodie Coffee Traders. They're in orange. If you've ever been there, they are a premier coffee vendor. And we're excited about that. So the renovation is going on. Hopefully we'll get that done in the month of December. And that's another thing that happened really out of the 21-day fast. Then another thing that happened, uh, one of our external board members, a guy named Bill Martinez, he has a syndicated radio show that covers 265 markets across America, uh, an audience of about 2 million people. And uh, during the fast he just stopped me and he said, uh, uh, Pastor Phil, would, would you, would influence consider being the covering over our ministry, and would you start doing a radio show uh, called Now, which would take what's happening in the news and what's happening in biblical prophecy and tie those together. So uh, I started that show last week, and uh, that's kind of a, a, a really a miracle for us. And then uh, we've seen probably three or four really significant miracles that have happened uh, from our prayer ministry. Tammy alluded to one of them. I want to just read to you a little bit uh, from the email that I got. And here's kind of the halfway in the stream of that. It says she came out of surgery Monday night about 9:45 p.m. On Tuesday morning, she was off-life support, talking and smiling. She is not in kidney failure, failure as the doctor predicted. Today she was doing so well, it's a miracle, I can't get over it. He wants to write a paper and publish it. Amazing, he says. And then she says, we know that it was God and the power of prayer, the prayer wall, and the amazing prayer team. Isn't that great news? Let me ask you something. Let me ask you something. I'm going to always ask you this question. Whenever I give you good news, if it was your life, your family, how would you clap? Let me, let, me tell you what, let me tell you what I really believe is happening in our world. I really believe that what has happened in France is only predictive of what's coming. I don't mean to be a prophet of doom, but Samuel P. Huntington, the Harvard professor, wrote a book, and in that book, he talked about what was coming. And he wrote this, he predicted back in 1980 exactly what's happening today in our world. Here's what I really believe is happening. I believe that's happening is that God is allowing these last day kind of scenarios to come to our world to drive us to Him. We lived on the East Coast at 9-11. We were in a plane passing over the Twin Towers. We saw it on fire as we passed over to the right, to the le- out of the left of our window. We saw how it radically changed church experience for about four weeks. People were on the edge. They were hungry for God. They were seeking God. People were saved. You remember those days if you were part of church. You see, for some odd reason, it takes crisis to push us to commitment, to seek after God. But I think God doesn't want it that way. God just says, if you will not seek me, I'll allow situations to, to occur in your world that will drive you to me. And when you're driven to God, you're going, God, I, I didn't know it could be so good because every one of us has had that experience where we go through difficult times. It drives us to God, and you say, I'm closer to God than I ever was in my life. Now, I didn't like what I went through. I don't like crisis in my world. But the reality is our world has radically changed yet one more time. And we as believers need to be committed to finding out what our purpose is and driving hard into that purpose that God has. Let me begin by saying, you are the ultimate expression of God's creation. When God created man, when God created woman, He created you in His image. There is no creation that He has. There's nothing in creation that He's done that even comes close to you. You far exceed all of those things. And whenever you start looking for your purpose, you have to begin with God. Not with your gifts, not with your talents, not with your opportunities or your passion. You begin with God. God, what is my purpose in life? And the other thing that we need to keep in mind is nobody can do what you do. Nobody can really fill the slot that you fill. You have a unique position in the world. Now, you might quit your job and somebody fills that slot. They're going to fill it in a different way. They might do the task, but they're not you. You are unique. And if you keep these things in mind, it's going to be powerful. I want to uh, draw a diagram here, and I want you to to reproduce it on, on a piece of paper because this is going to be a key to understanding the idea of unique ability. There's something you do that's very, very unique. No one else can do it. And if you could focus your life on that, it would be extremely powerful. There are other things you do that you do with excellence. And as you do them with excellence, it's noticed. In fact, this might be where most of your job is. You say, I do a very good job. I'm in the top 10 or 20% of what I do in my field. You do it with excellence. There's other things you do that you do well. You do them good, but if you had to get a job doing that, you would be competing against about 70% of the people in the world, and you probably would not be a top wage earner in that field because you have too much competition. Then there are things you do that you're just not good at at all. Now, you might think you're good at it, but everybody knows you're not. Right? You're just not good at it. And here's how most of our jobs look. Our job description looks like this. We get to do a little bit of what we're unique at, We get to do some of excellence, some of good, some of bad, and this stuff down here, anybody could do. Now, what would happen if you could take your life and you could center it more over your unique ability versus it being maybe just a little bit of doing this? If you could shift your life this way and you could say something like this, if I could do that all day long, I would be so fulfilled. If I could just get in that sweet spot and stay there, Now, we talk about somebody that starts a venture as an entrepreneur. I want to show you somebody who can also stay in the job they're in and be an entrepreneur. In other words, shift your whole life to where you're doing more of what you're really unique at, delegating off all the things that you're not so that you find yourself operating in your unique ability all the time. And you may have to rearrange your life. You may have to rearrange time. Most of us are kind of functioning on an old way of doing time versus focusing in on unique ability. So as we think about that, I want to take you to the Bible. Luke chapter 5, if you will. Luke chapter 5. We're going to look at a story here about the disciples who were really good fishermen. Some of them were very skilled at their craft. And yet they finished the day of fishing and they caught no fish. Jesus comes along, and the first thing he says to them is, you know what, I think if you'll just launch out your boat into the deep, you're going to catch fish. Now, that would be like me telling, you know, like Rob, our drummer, hey, this is, how you, this is what you need to do. He'd look at me like I'm crazy and say, Phil, you're not a drummer. You can't keep beat. You can't sing. You have no musical ability. You're probably not the best instructor for me. That's what they had to be thinking inside. And yet, this Jesus was so commanding, so powerful. Look what he says. He says, put out into the deep water. Lower your nets for a catch. Simon replied, Master, we worked hard all night to the point of exhaustion. We caught nothing in our nets. So there's the pushback. Jesus, we're fishermen. You're not. We like you. We respect you. You're the rabbi. You're probably the son of God, but you're not a fisherman. Here's what I want you to see. Jesus timed that particular thing exactly right when they were in weakness. And here's the truth I want you to grab. God reduces us to strength. God reduces us to strength. As long as you stay strong and don't rely on him, you miss out on Real strength and real power. You see, shallow water are for those without faith, those who walk by sight. If you've ever been in a a lake or been in a river where the water is very clear, you can see the bottom. You know exactly what's going on. Go into the deep, you have no idea. You have to go down under to find out. Deep water is for those who live by faith. Now, here's what I want you to do. I want you to think very carefully, listen very carefully to this next phrase and this next section, because it's going to be very powerful in understanding how to leverage faith in your life. There are a few areas right now that I'm leveraging in the faith world. Some of those relate to this church. Some of those relate to my personal life. And I'm leveraging in them based on what God has shown me in the world of faith. Now, I don't know what all my spiritual gifts are, but I do know that one of my gifts is the gift of faith. I have the ability to look into a situation, believe God for it, and see the results come back. Now, I don't know why I have that gift, but it just resonates with me. It's really happening, and there's probably three or four things you're going to hear about that are just really major game changers for us as a church and they're really brewing right now. And as soon as God releases them, I'm going to show you, but here's what I want you to see. Luke chapter one, verse 37 says this for with God, nothing is impossible. Now we believe that, right? God can do anything, but it's with God. When you are with God, nothing you attempt will be impossible. If you're falling in line of what God has directed. And there's the key. It's not the idea that you get anything you want. It's not the idea that all you have to do is pray and believe and receive. No, you want to be in that center of where God has directed you. And when you get there, you're going to find some pretty amazing things. Now, literally, that word, nothing is impossible, is the word no Rema. Now, the word rima is a word that is translated in our Bible, word, W-O-R-D, word it does not refer to this word. This word is called the Logos, okay? Logos. Now, when I read this Bible, the Logos, and God speaks to me from the word, the Bible calls that rema. It calls it a revelation from the word. Now, let me help you to understand it this way. Rema is this. No freshly spoken word, that is rema of God will come to you that does not contain the ability to accomplish what God intends. Now, let me say it again. No freshly spoken word or rima of God will come to you that does not contain the ability to accomplish what God intends. So you're in your place of prayer. You're praying. And all of a sudden, God sends something to your heart. He opens up your eyes and says, that's for you. And that's a rima. Now, you have a choice right there. You can say, wouldn't that be nice, which is shallow water, or you can put your arms around it and say, I'm trusting God for that, and that's deep water. When you do that, you're acting on the revealed word of God. Let me put it another way. When God speaks to you, the seed of God has been deposited in you to perform what God has revealed to you. When God speaks to you, the seed of God has been deposited in you so that God is able then to take that and perform that in you and through you. So what you want to do is you want to be a listener of God and say, God, what are you saying to me? Now, here's a a caution. God will never give you advance instruction, that's Rima, beyond your last act of disobedience. If you don't act on what God has shown you, he is not obligated to give you anything new. You have to go back and say, did I do what God showed me to do? Am I acting in faith and obedience to God? Otherwise, God is saying, hey, I'm going to give you more when you do that. But you can't, you can't expect God to just keep sending, you know, the blessings down the pipeline and say, yeah, yeah, I don't like that one, and kind of choose and pick what's going on. You know what I've learned about God? God is a lot like an earthly father. He's not inspired by small dreams. Can you imagine your teenager getting ready to graduate from high school, and, and you say to him, son, what are you getting ready to do? And he says, you know, nothing. Man, I love living here with you and mom, and... You know, I get to use your car whenever I want. It's great. And mom makes my bed and gives me food. And you give me a little, not much. You don't give me much allowance, but I appreciate it. And you know, it's enough to get by. And I just kind of want to hang out with my buddies and just really kind of enjoy the next three or four years. Now, I don't know about you, but if my son would have said that to me, I said, I've got another plan. I've got different goals for you. And those goals are going to be great goals. They're going to inspire you to greatness. Now, you may not like my goals, and that's fine. You can get your own, but I've got some great plans for you because you have a lot of capacity. God looks sometimes at us and says, your plans are not inspiring me. Your goals are not inspiring me. You have more capacity than you know that you have. You have more ability than you know you have. If you would just put your arms around a God-inspired dream and vision, I'll be there and I'll carry you all the way. In Romans chapter 10 and verse 17, it says, Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. Now what's interesting about that is the tense of that verb. Faith comes by hearing. That's present tense. Your faith comes when you're hearing God speak. It doesn't talk about faith what you used to hear, what you know, No, what are you hearing God say to you? When you hear it, you go, wow, I think God just spoke to me. And your faith goes up, and it says your faith increases. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. And guess what? The word word there is not the word logos. It's not the Bible It's the revealed word. It's the word rima. Your faith grows what? When God speaks to me from his word. So it's not the leftovers from yesterday or what you have studied. It's the capacity to hear the voice of God right now. Let's go on the story a little bit further. Luke chapter 5 verses 5 and 6. At your word, I will do as you say and lower the nets again. Now the word there is the word rima. At your word you revealed something to me here Jesus at your word I will lower the nets and do that again when they had done this they caught a great number of fish and their nets were at the point of breaking now Jesus wasn't a fisherman he was a man of faith he was a man of vision And what he did was he inspired them to do what they didn't want to do because he knew what the end was going to happen. You see, God will inspire you to do what you don't want to do. You say, I don't want to do that. Why? Because I'm comfortable. You understand the idea of being in your comfort zone and your, your personal space? I'm a big one on this personal space thing. I don't really like close talkers. You know what I'm talking about? Some of you keep getting closer and closer, and I'm finding myself leaning back. When I sit down at a restaurant, I like to get the salt and pepper in the right place. I don't want it too close to me. You know, if the guy pushes his water over, I'm pushing it back. I want my little space there. Can you relate to me or not? Yes. Anybody as weird as I am, or am I just the only one? Thank you very much. Four or five of you would admit that. All right. Now, when you're starting to see how God works, God is going to push into your, in your space. Do you realize Jesus is not comfortable he didn't come to make you comfortable. He came to make you uncomfortable. That's why he gave the Holy Spirit, who is a comforter, to pick up the, the, the slack after he's made you uncomfortable. Jesus is calling you to something. Jesus wants you to do something. Now, here's the truth I want you to see great disasters can reveal purpose and direction. anybody ever had a crisis, a problem, or a disaster in your life? Raise your hand. Raise your hand. Let me see. The rest of you, n- never. The rest of you, if you don't raise it, God gives you one. How many of you now would like to raise your hand, right? Everybody wants to raise your hand. Okay, let me tell you the story of someone who found that a great disaster revealed purpose and direction in their life. Stan Ellis, who's seated right here, his grandfather, Henry O'Malley, was anxious to depart from England to New York, where he had hoped to find fame and fortune. He had purchased a ticket to depart on April tenth, 1912. The circumstances of his delay are not clear. He didn't speak much about the event at all. All he would say is, I missed my boat, laddie. The boat that he was to travel on was a boat that we know as the Titanic. Now imagine if you were going to travel on a boat, and we've got a picture of it here. It's a kind of Jog your memory. Imagine if you're one in that crowd there, you're anxious to get on that ship, but for some reason you got there too late and the ship departed. And only days later would you find out that that ship had sunk and it became at the time the greatest maritime disaster in the history of mankind. What would you do on the inside? We hear stories about people who missed a plane and a plane went down. And how they have to recalibrate everything on the inside of them of what's important. And God, why did you let me miss? Why was I not on that plane? And others were. That is a question we'll never have an answer for. But here's what we do know about Henry. Henry married a woman by the name of Ruby. And instead of going to New York to find fame and fortune... They went to New Guinea as missionaries, and they served God. And they left a spiritual heritage for their family that might not have been there had Henry sought to go after money and fame and fortune. But God changed his life. He became a missionary. And you see, what he realized was that difficulty reveals your unrealized potential. Difficulty reveals your unrealized potential. When you have a difficulty, what, how do you react? Normally most people go, well, I can't believe that happened to me. Oh man, what am I going to do? And you begin to say, God, where were you in all of that? I remember when we were, uh, uh, before I got married, it was only about a year before I actually met Tammy and I had bought a brand new pickup truck, a little pickup truck, one of those small ones. And uh, I was driving down the street with my friend, and we were going about 40 miles an hour through a green light when a girl ran the red light and T-boned the side of that little pickup truck. I'd only been a Christian about a year and a half at the time, but uh, somehow God had inspired inside of me something the right words to say. And I got out, and people were coming over, y'all right, everybody was fine, nobody was hurt. And they were asking me, and she said, I'm so sorry about your pickup truck. He said, it's okay, God's... I said, it's okay, God has a better one for me. I don't even know why I said that. It was a brand new pickup truck. God has a better one for me. Little did I know, about a year later, I would be engaged and then married to my wife. And she had more stuff than that little pickup truck could ever hold. God was just taking the little one away to give me one, so I made sure I got all of her shoes and dresses after we got married, Because we got married, we moved to New Orleans from St. Louis, and I started seminary there. And I just, I think it's about perspective. How are you looking at your difficulty? How are you looking at your setbacks? How are you looking at your problems? Look at them like God. Challenges are necessary for the next step towards your destiny. You've got to have a challenge if you're going to go forward. If you get stronger, you have to push against yourself. You have to have things push against you. And here's the other thing. Enemies always will multiply when the stakes are high. Whenever the stakes are high in your life, just be ready. There's going to be enemies that are to come. They're going to try to bring you down emotionally, bring you down financially, bring you down physically, relationally, any other way. They're going to try to bring you down to a new level. Let me show you the rest of the story. Luke chapter 5 and verse 7. They signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them, and they came and they filled uh, both of the boats with fish so that they began to sink. Imagine this miracle. They couldn't catch any fish. Now they've got so many. The boat is getting ready to sink. Here's one thing I've learned about trusting God, and it's the hardest thing I've learned. In fact, you'll find it to be very challenging what I'm getting ready to tell you. You're probably not going to like it, but it's the key what I'm getting ready to tell you. Your assignment or purpose should overwhelm you. Your assignment or purpose should overwhelm you. If it's in your capacity to put your arms around and feel comfortable, comfort with, then you haven't reached a God-inspired assignment yet. God never does anything common. God always forces you to reach further in life. I like to put it like this. It should be humanly impossible. Your purpose should be humanly impossible. You have to push into the realm. It should force you into a position of faith. You have to say, God, if you don't come through with this, it's not going to happen. Otherwise, everything that you do, you can explain by your ability. You can explain by your resources. You can explain by your contacts. Wouldn't you like to have something to say the only explanation for the miracle, for the goal, for the purpose I have in my life is God. God came through in such a powerful way and this is the evidence of it. I believe it should be the kind of thing that keeps you up at night. How about that? Most people are kept up at night by their problems. You know why? Because their problems are bigger than their vision. Do you hear that? Problems are bigger than your vision. That's why you stay up at night thinking about your problems. If you have a vision that exceeds your problems, you'll stay up about your vision if you're staying up at all. You want to have a God-inspired vision where you wake up in the middle of the night and go, God, man, I've been thinking about this. I'm awake now. You either woke me up or I woke myself up or something happened here. But God, I'm calling on you. I'm going to pray to you. I'm going to seek you, God, because this is too big for me. I have that happen to me almost every single day. I'll wake up that God will just say, you remember that? And I say, I remember that, God. He said, are you going to trust me for that? Are you going to expect something out of me for that? Or are you just going to go back to sleep? You're just going to take some, some sleeping medicine. You're going to take something. You're going to roll over. You're going to read a boring book. What are you going to do? Are you going to seek me out? You've got to remember, when you get into the spiritual realm of things, you're shifting You're shifting against the tide of culture, your own culture, your own world, and you're saying, I am not satisfied with what this world has. I'm going to seek what God has for me, and I'm going to push into that realm of faith. I'm going to walk out on the thin ice. I'm going to see what God can do because I'm tired of getting what Phil can do i'm tired of getting what the world has i want something more than that and i'm not saying you're going to change the world i'm going to say you're going to change your world start with your world and then you can get the rest of it in in line what what would it take for you to change your world The people in your world, the job you have, the desires you have, the children you raise, the passions you have, what would it take to do that? If we were having a conversation three years from today, and I ask you this question, how would you respond? What has has happened in the last three years that have created in you a fulfillment personally or professionally? I'm asking you to think three years in the future. And I'm asking you to do it with God and say, God, I don't know what three years looks like, but I think it looks kind of like this. What if I gave you a camera and I said, this is a special camera. And if you take a picture with this camera, it will take a picture three years into the future. And it comes out with such clarity, you could print it and put it on your wall and say, that's my future three years from today because God inspired it in me. What does it look like? Now, I'm going to tell you right now. There's some things that you're going to capture on, a, on your, what you think is in your picture that you don't have the ability to do, and you shouldn't do them. If I capture a picture that I'm going to be a world-class drummer, it's stupid. I don't have that ability. I just don't have the ability. If I get another one and say, you're going to be an NBA star, good Lord, look at me. I got like a two-inch vertical jump. There's no way that's going to happen. The reality is I have to go back to this and say, what is my uniqueness? I might be able to get up here and beat the drum a little bit. I might be able to take a couple, of, you know, a couple of licks on a guitar, but those are not in my wheelhouse. I might even be excellent at something, but that doesn't make me unique at it. You see the difference? I've got to move into this realm, and I'm going to tell you something. It's probably not what you think. Every person I've ever talked to on this level, it, it is rarely what they think it is. They go with what they love or they're good at, but they don't go here. And so if you want to so say, well, how do I find that? You find 10 people and you ask them to write it down on a piece of paper. And here's the question. What is it you think makes me unique in terms of my ability? Not what I'm good at, not what you've observed. What do you think makes me unique? If we were talking about basketball and baseball years ago, I would have said, there was a guy named Michael Jordan who was pretty good at basketball. In fact, we would even say he was unique. He retired from basketball. He said, you know, I think I'm going to play baseball. So he looked good in a uniform. He drew a crowd. The reality was he was bad at baseball. He was never going to be good at baseball. He wanted to play baseball. He looked good in a uniform. He drew a crowd. He was bad. He needed to play basketball. And everybody knew it. What is the equivalent of your basketball in your life? I promise you, it's not going to be on the surface. It'll be something deeper. When God began to show that to me, I began to realize, wow, that is my unique ability. I have all these other skills, but my unique ability is something far different. You know what my unique ability is? Let me just tell you. My unique ability is my ability to connect with people. I can connect people worldwide that I should never even come in contact with. Now, I think I'm pretty good at even have a moment or two where I might even be excellent at preaching. That's not my unique ability. You see how that's different? Just because I do it and I have certain levels of skill at it doesn't make me unique in that world. When I began to see how God could put those pieces together, they began to multiply in an amazing way. I don't even know how to explain some of the things that come. Why why do I connect? I'm sitting in a restaurant in Washington DC. I look over to a guy who's getting a birthday cake for his wife. I say you want me to get your picture. First rule is never use their phone. If you're a connector, use your phone cuz you're connecting. Let me grab that picture. I got out my phone, took a couple of pictures, took a picture of him, met him. Hey, let me, give, me, give me your email. Hands me his card. Let me send it to you right now. I sent the picture to him. Guess who it was? It was the ambassador from Indonesia to Washington, D.C., the most Muslim country in the world. Okay? We became friends. He invited us to come stay at the embassy in Washington, D.C. Last year, he ran for president of Indonesia. He did not make it. He came in third. He took my books that I wrote on business. He used them to train his embassy staff. That's crazy. That should never happen. He's Muslim. I'm a Christian pastor. You say, was your goal to convert him? No. You know what my first goal was? If I could leverage him to take pressure off the Christian church in Indonesia so that the church could flourish, that was my number one goal because I knew him coming to faith in Christ would cost him his life. He would have to be a secret believer in order to be in that position. Weren't you concerned about his soul? Absolutely. But my first goal was take pressure off Christian church. You say, well, that's crazy. Let me just go on with that story. I'm going to tell you one more thing because it's so interesting. So a friend of mine was shooting a movie, all right, in Indonesia. Kellen Lutz with Mickey York were shooting Java Heat in Indonesia. I get a text from his manager, and his manager says to me, don't you know somebody in Indonesia? I laughed. I text back. I have a friend who is the ambassador to America from Indonesia. Why? Why? we're having trouble getting our permits for our movie. Can you help? Ha ha. I laughed out loud over the text. Right? That's the stupidest request I ever had. I said, let me try. I text Ambassador Dino. I text him and I said, hey, I know this is a crazy thing, but two of my friends, they're, they're Americans and they're in a movie and everybody else in the, in the movie are Indonesian and they can't get permits and I don't know if you can help. Now, I can only imagine him on the other line, I wish I never would have met this guy. <laughs> Why did I give him my cell phone? He's got to be thinking that, right? But remember, I'm functioning in my unique ability. That means that its, it's horsepower comes from God. It doesn't come from me. It could be the stupidest thing in the world, but God wants to put that connection together. I get a text back from his manager. He says, I don't know what you did, but they showed up on the scene with the permits and they waived the fee. That's my unique ability. That's my unique ability. I don't know, I didn't, it's hard to understand stuff like this because you think your unique ability is your talent. Probably not. You're not that talented. Right? You're really not. I mean, you want to find somebody who's talented? There's a million talented people but there's only one of you. What if the one of you became you instead of trying to be everybody else? Imagine what God could do. That's what your purpose is, to drive into that purpose of God and let God unfold it for you. Let me give you a few life applications here. First one is nothing is impossible with God, so what are you waiting for? If you're going to spend your life Wouldn't you rather spend it on something that was impossible that God could empower? Or would you rather spend your life just going through ho-hum? Okay, here's another one. Deep water is for deep people. Which will you choose? You want to be in shallow water? You can be in shallow water. And uh, you'll live by sight. Well, I only do what I understand. Well, then you don't live by faith. You have to do what you don't understand. Here's the next one. God specializes in impossible assignments, shouldn't you? You want to see God's biggest challenge? You and me. his biggest challenge. He says, why don't they get it? Why don't they get it in their head that if they will just be reduced to a level of strength, then I can start to move in their life and I can take them to a place they've never been before but they got to quit trying and start trusting, start believing, let God inspire your dreams and your goals and your, and the things that you have and keep you up at night. I'd love to get emails from you all week long. Thanks a lot. I've been up all night dreaming about what God is going to do in my life. Can't get any sleep. That's my goal because you are so inspired by the Spirit of God and by the Creator of the universe who who spoke the world into existence before noon that you too say, I'm in His image. Created in in His image. God has a purpose for me. I can't wait to find out what it is. If you meet a challenge, push through it. You meet a difficulty, climb over it. You let God direct your path, and you'll be surprised what God comes up with. Let's stand together and pray. Heavenly Father, as we pray, we know that you have made us all unique in our own special way, God. We have abilities. We have things we do very well. We have things we do okay at. We have then our job and some parts of our job we love and some parts of our job we excel in. But God, we're asking you to pour divine purpose into all of us, to inspire great dreams and visions. There may be new companies that start and new relationships that are formed. There may be strategies that are unfolding right now that are coming from the Spirit of God, inspired by you, Almighty God. We ask you to just just, uh, make that a part of our very DNA. Bring out in us what we're created to do. Let us take it to another level, God. Let us inspire it to greater levels so that we see your hand in everything we do. As the band sings this song, I want you to listen carefully about how he loves you. And if he loves you that much, what he wants to do in you and through you in a powerful way. God's touched your heart. And you'd like us to pray for you. I'm going to invite you up here at the front. We're going to do a group prayer. We're going to have you come. Um, we, We filled this altar at the first service with people who wanted to pray. I believe there's power in numbers somehow, God. I don't understand it. I don't understand why you pull us together. You, you even remind us, God, that when two or more are gathered there, you are in the midst. I'm going to ask you to come from where you're standing right now. Just come here to the front. Just gather around the front of this and just say, I want to be a part of prayer. There's, some, there's something that happens when you get in proximity with other people who are seeking out the same thing that God honors in a powerful way. God honors it. I've seen people who have been Radically transformed just by a simple movement of coming to the front when they, week after week, they stood where they were and they said, I'm fine here. They chose comfort over calling. Never choose comfort over calling. Choose calling every time. And now, as the band's going to play through this one time, I just want you to and sing. If you want to sing in, you can, but just seek God out right now. This is a special time God's giving you. Seek God out. What's He saying to you right now? Let Him speak to you right now.